Blog Talk Radio. Liberal Fix is brought to you by Blue Push Media, news important to progressives and liberals across America. Good evening and welcome to this edition of Liberal Fix Radio. I'm your host, Keith Breckis, on this Friday night, um, broadcasting from on the road in Wyoming in the middle of a snowstorm, um, but I'm in a room. And uh, my guest tonight is Elizabeth Schwartz, who is the author of of a upcoming book, or probably a book that's already been released. Um, and um, how are you doing tonight, Elizabeth? I'm great, Keith. Thank you. How are you? There. Okay. Good, good. And I'm here. Kind of yeah. I want to make sure I get the title of the book right. What, what's, what's the title again? <laughs> the title is Before I Do, A Legal Guide to Marriage, Gay and Otherwise. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Before I Do, that's what I was looking for. And um, <laughs> I didn't have my screen in front of me, and I was just drawing a blank. <laughs> so, anyways, no problem. Um, yeah, Listen, so, you're, you're in a snowstorm. You've got to be safe and focus on that. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, I'm I'm in good shape now, but yeah, I guess half the country's in the same. So, I'm <laughs> so everybody That's can right. probably empathize if they're listening, or or at least people in the most half the country, anyways. Um, yeah, you, so, you want yeah. me to come to sunny oh, South ahead. Florida? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Oh yeah, to okay. Florida's Florida, probably yeah. exempt. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, okay, and uh, yeah, well, we can get started right away. Um, I'm really excited to have you on the show, and I guess um, it's kind of interesting political times we live in. I'm not sure everybody expected the November election to turn out the way it is, but there will be some probably some interesting things following that, seeing whether there's backtracking on this. Obviously, um, uh, some of the some of the issues that we'll deal with aren't the things that the Trump foregrounded in his campaign, so hopefully that'll mean that there isn't an immediate assault, but given that Mike Pence is the uh, vice president, who knows what's going to happen. But um, let's get right to the book. In in June 2015, the Supreme Court determined that the fundamental right to marry is guaranteed to same-sex couples. The ruling in that case, the Obergefell case, uh, brought uniformity to a hodgepodge of rights and responsibilities that had varied from state to state. Uh, for same-sex couples. Um, given that, why is marriage for same-sex couples still a topic that's often treated differently or discreetly from marriage in general? Well, the backlash against the freedom to marry has meant that the LGBT community needs to remain vigilant about protecting both our progress on this issue, but protecting marriage, but also uh, protecting those of us who are more vulnerable, uh, th- those for whom marriage doesn't solve any or most of their problems. And, and, and so that's, that's why we have to be diligent about marriage in the, in the broader community. But, but in terms of our own LGBT community, we, we need to be sure that we are looking before we leap. Yes, we've fought long and hard to win this much-deserved right to marriage equality. So we have to treat this institution with the care it deserves and be sure that when we marry, we do it in the most thoughtful most prudent manner possible. Um, so 
So I think marriage generally is something, of course, we all want to be very, very deliberate, very smart about. But, but for gay couples, you know, marriage did not come soon enough. And, and so many of us have been in, in, in relationships for many, many years and are, are now getting married. And so we're, we're dealing, uh, you know, with the fallout of, as Cher would say, to, trying to turn back time. And, and you know, people who've been together for a long, long time get married and, and maybe they're older or, or have uh, built up assets together, have maybe complicated lives on some level together. And, uh, and it's terribly important for them to understand what, what marriage means. I think for, for lots of us, we just we never thought this was the right that we would get. So we've got to make sure that we really understand uh, uh, all of its consequences, what it means and what it doesn't mean. Yeah, for sure. And I could see where, for example, maybe a same-sex couple that's been a couple for 20, 30, 40 years, how how having the right to marry might uh, sort of alter that dynamic and they're coming coming at it in a very different way than maybe, you know, people that have been dating for six months yeah. or a year in, in a heterosexual yeah. relationship where it's just taken for granted that they can kind of choose marriage on their own timetable or take that step, whereas... If it's people who, you know, have been in a relationship for many, many years and at a time when they thought this day might never come or even contemplated, then it, it it's a brand new sort of uh, brave new world in some ways. Uh, and I know mm-hmm. uh, while marriages are as different, um, you know, I don't want to stereotype any particular type of marriage within both gay and straight marriages. There's a lot of diversity among people. So, uh, marriages can be as different as the people involved, be they gay, straight, mm-hmm. lesbian, or whatever, different history, different culture, different relationships. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there's similarities uh, also and differences between uh, same-sex couples and maybe main uh, heterosexual uh, culture in this country. Mm-hmm. How does How do some of those differences sort of complicate maybe the culture's attitudes towards the institution of marriage and also to people that are in a same-sex relationship, how does it complicate their attitudes towards marriage? Well, uh, look, lots of us who, who are marrying have been married, have been together, you know, as we said, for, for years already. So uh, there are uh, certainly lots of couples who are getting married who already have had very complicated lives together. They owned property. They had a relationship dynamic firmly in place. So, so as you said a few minutes ago, you know, for the most part, when heterosexual folks get together, they they they, they get together. They marry a relatively short time later, a few years or so at the most. So, versus LGBT people who fought long and hard. So now that we can marry, some are are gleefully jumping in without having a full sense of the consequences. And, and it, it certainly, for, for many LGBT people, this was just not anything that we, not a right. We thought we were going to be able to enjoy so soon. So there there seems to be a lot of, uh, as I've noticed in my practice and a lot of my colleagues have uh, who also practice uh, LGBT family law, uh, there, there are lots of folks who just sort of jumping in. They're not totally sure what 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 rights marriage brings and doesn't bring uh, a, little, a little bit of looking before they leap and um and then they're kind of shocked like what marriage what 
what these rights then are that they have, what rights they might have given up. Um, and and so that's uh, that's that's why before I do, I think it's such a good resource. I mean, it, you know, it, it it covers a lot of things that I think for most of us, we we just it wasn't anything we ever really absorbed. Uh, this is a uh, there's some 1,500 rights and responsibilities that that come along with with the the right to marry, and so uh, there's there's a lot to learn. It's a, it's a steep learning curve. <laughs> Sure. And uh, I guess um, backtracking a little bit, I, I guess, uh, in the timetable, prior to marriage equality um, becoming the law of the land, um, so to speak, in what ways clients who were in, uh, gay or, or lesbian um, work around the law or play the system to find loopholes that might enable them access to at least some of the rights and responsibilities mm. of marriage? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, we we got very creative. Uh, I, it's funny. My my wife is a writer and 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 a creative, and so I we always joke how how this before we had marriage that was that was my opportunity to be creative too. We we worked around the law with uh, estate planning and contract techniques. Sometimes we would form corporate entities like partnerships that mimic aspects of marriage. Uh, in rare cases. Uh, folks even adopted their partner to gain rights. Um, but really, even with all of these creative efforts, there are lots of things that, that we, we can't get without marriage. Even with, with great estate planning in place, even if, if you know, we adopt our kids and do all of that, everything that, that we can do under the law, we get, getting contracts together, all of that, I mean, there, there are lots of things we can't get without marriage. I mean, just to name a few, my gosh, we can't get Social Security benefits from our partner unless it's a legal marriage. We can't transfer wealth to one another without being subject uh, to gift and estate taxes. There's usually no automatic inheritance without a will uh, unless you're married. We, um, you know, you, you can only own uh, properties by the entire tenants excuse me, you can only own your property as tenants by the entirety when you're married, which is a, a, a good advantageous way to own property, uh, greater, provides greater protection against creditors. So, so there's lots of benefits from veterans' benefits to bankruptcy protection that, that can't be contracted and are only conferred upon a legally wedded spouse. So I, I, just, I, I, I like to point that out because I think some folks who are uh, – are, were opposed and are, are opposed to the freedom to marry have said, oh, well, you, you don't need marriage equality because you can get all the rights associated with marriage through those creative uh, techniques that we, that, that we talked about here, and, and, and that's not the case. You, you can't get every right. But, but uh, it, it's also very important, even with marriage, uh, that that folks still have their estate planning in place. You still want to make sure you have a will, you have advanced directives. Um, you know, people might find themselves in a in a part of the world or a part of the country where their marriage, uh, while maybe legally recognized, you know, may not be respected by, let's say, the the nurse in a hospital when your spouse gets admitted, and uh, and so you want to make sure that you still have those, that living will, that healthcare surrogate in place, because if if that marriage gets 
challenge, which it shouldn't, but if it does, you know, you, you may not have the bandwidth in that moment while your partner is in a hospital bed or something to, uh, to, to prove the legitimacy of your marriage. You shouldn't have to, but uh, it's important to have these documents still with you. Um, again, there's lots of parts of the world that don't recognize uh, uh, same-sex marriage, and so certainly it's important to have this stuff in place. And then, of course, it's also important to have these documents in place because if something happens to the both of you together, you need to have a plan B. So uh, it's important also to have that alternate scenario in place. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that kind of uh, maybe partially answers my next question, but there's probably more to it than that. Now that uh, marriage equality is the law of the land, um, what kinds of issues still come up that are specific to LGBT couples um, just because of the nature of the yeah. relationship or the nature of the way that people still treat it as sort of a separate entity even though it's still marriage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it. You're you're exactly right. That that is that is sort of a, a big a big part of it that that, you know, people say, well, is marriage is marriage is marriage, but there is still this homophobia piece, right? I mean, my gosh, we're we're dealing with, with this vice president elect Pence who is really the most homophobic. Uh, of all statewide governmental officials, I mean, he's just he. What he did in Indiana was uh, really, uh, I mean, purely motivated, purely motivated by by hate and discrimination and fear, and and the the ultimate insult is that he couched it in terms of religion, which which really is so not. But but definitely one of the main things that we that we still encounter. Uh, is 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 homophobia at every level, and um, marriage certainly can protect us from a lot, but not all of it. Um, you know, one thing that we dealt with here in the state of Florida was um, the state refusing to list a non-biological mom on the birth certificate of her of the child that her spouse gave birth to. I had to work with the uh, National Center for Lesbian Rights legal organization to sue the state of Florida to get birth certificates fairly, uh, to, to get birth certificates issued fairly. So, um, I mean, that's just an example of the many ways that all of these administrative procedures have had to catch up with the law, the, the language of all these laws and forms that refers to husband and wife and mother and father. I mean, they, they all have to be revisited and that, that takes time. Um, you know, I'll tell you another issue that comes up with respect to LGBT families is, is uh, you know, the the issue of the marital presumption. You know, if you if you and your wife have a child, the baby is born into your marriage. Um, the law presumes, uh, you know, if your wife gives birth, the law presumes that that baby is your legal child, even if your wife had an affair and that wasn't your baby. So that's something that's. Um, that we're still dealing with uh, throughout the country. There have been a couple bad cases in, in New York and in Tennessee where where the court said this marital presumption doesn't apply to same-sex female couples. So we are still strongly recommending that same-sex female couples, uh, that, that all same-sex couples, uh, even if you're on the birth certificate, that you still, we are st- recommending that you still do an adoption. Because if you end up somewhere where they're not going to recognize that birth certificate as sufficient proof uh, of your parental rights, then you're going to want to make sure you have those parental rights buttoned up 
with an adoption um, because a, a, an adoption or a parentage judgment, that's the kind of thing that, that uh, would give you peace of mind if you're traveling or even if, you know, something like Social Security challenges your parental rights. Uh, you you want to make sure that, that you have something that can be given full faith and credit anywhere where you are in the world. So that's, that's another thing that's a uniquely, uh, uniquely LGBT kind of wrinkle. Sure. And I'll, I'll delve a little more into, um, um, we'll talk a little bit more about um, um, same-sex marriage, but I guess it's, we should also mention that not all committed gay and lesbian couples um, you know, jumped out and got married after the Supreme right. Court ruling, and some committed <laughs> committed gay and lesbian right. couples still choose not to get married. Um, right. Maybe talk a little bit about that, and also maybe how yeah. how their choices are tend to be more communal. Maybe they wouldn't be the same choice in the hands of a straight couple. Yeah, you know this uh, this movement that we've all been a part of, this fight to be seen. To not just be tolerated, I hate that, to not just be tolerated but to be celebrated means that our relationships take on a more public aspect. Uh, so it's, it's, it's these very images and stories of ours that help win nation, the nationwide uh, freedom to marry as, as these brave couples share their truths. And so, so for some of us, getting married, it's as much of a political statement as it is about the the legal rights and obligations that, that, that come with marriage. Um, the, the thing that's a heartbreaker, though, to me is that there's, there's pl- yeah, as you say in your question, there's plenty of couples who choose not to get married, and, and, and the, the book, Before I Do, goes through a lot of the potential reasons for couples to, to maybe not get married. Uh, there are lots of, it could be financial reasons, could be legal reasons, could be emotional reasons, could be political reasons. Uh, you know, every every couple's circumstance is different, but but uh, as we go through that, as we go through the various uh, uh, specific reasons that are unique to individual couples why they might not want to get married, you know, you, you start to realize that, gosh, this is really such an individual decision. You know, maybe your taxes are going to go up high, whatever. You might lose some government benefits as a result of getting married. But But the thing that kills me is just this assumption that, that just because you can marry that you should, and then if you don't marry, then maybe you're not as committed to one another or you're, you're not as in love. And, and, uh, and, and that's, just, uh, that's just unfair, and that's, uh, I think, really unfortunate for marriage to become this kind of compulsory thing. And I think we've all seen it. You know, we've all seen people say, okay, well, now that you can, you know, so, so when are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? And and there seems to be this kind of undercurrent, uh, this assumption that well, if you if you if you can, uh, you will, and if you're not, then you're somehow less than. You're somehow not as in love, not as committed, and 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 the, as I say, plenty of reasons for plenty of couples to choose not to get married, and and for them to decide uh, to to remain unmarried doesn't doesn't mean any less uh, that they're any less committed. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. I know, um, so a lot of same-sex same couples did jump into marriage after it became legal, and yeah. I, I think certainly understandable given the, uh, you know, some I think 
like you said, partially political, mm-hmm. getting caught up in the excitement of the historical moment. And mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. what do some of those couples have in common with, with their gay and straight counterparts when it comes to understanding maybe what they were getting uh, into? <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, we all do it, right? I mean, Britney Spears sure. was one of the straight <laughs> communities. I'm unfortunate examples, right? Whereas uh, uh, we have our own, we have our own Britney, Britney Griner, who, uh, uh, was a WNBA, uh, uh, an Olympic star, and she, so Britney Spears had, what, a 55-hour marriage, and Britney Griner's was, uh, I think, 28 days, and they, they married quickly and briefly and, and with unforeseen consequences. I think the difference, I think, for LGBT people is that since many of us really never thought we would see marriage in our lifetimes, I, I, I we just, we didn't invest much in learning about what rights and obligations come with getting married. And so so since we have so much pent-up demand, it's, it's certainly understandable that some are getting carried away and, and getting hitched without really thinking it through. But but I appreciate your question because it's it's definitely uh, this, this sort of ignorance is not at all the exclusive province of, of the LGBT community. I mean, that's why the the subtitle of the book is, is is A Legal Guide to Marriage, Gay and Otherwise, because originally this was meant to be a, a legal guide for for LGBT people getting married, and we, we promptly realized that, 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 that straight folks, and of course I know this, right, because I deal with my, with, in my family law practice, uh, I deal with this kind of thing all the time, but we really promptly realized that, that straight people are, impetuously jumping into marriages without really having a sense of, uh, what do you mean I've got to divide up my 401k? What do you mean my income is shared? You know, that's a, that's a shocker for a lot of people. <laughs> Gay and otherwise. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I, um, and I guess on a personal note, um, you married your partner in 2013, uh, three weeks after the Supreme Court repealed the core of the Defense of Marriage Act. Um, at the time, the state of Florida where you lived would not recognize your marriage. Was there a practical reason as well as, as a romantic one for, for, for getting married at that time? There was indeed. You you know me too well already. <laughs> um, definitely <laughs> practical reasons. <laughs> um, well, I, I tell you, after 11 years together, we, we knew we were, as I say, in it to win it. And once the Windsor decision came down from the Supremes, the, really the potential advantages of marrying began to outweigh the, the risks. I, I had, you know, I, I had been concerned about getting married when there was no tangible benefit because my my fear was, and this was borne born out in, in various client matters that I that I saw, but but my fear was that marriages would start to be used as a sword against us uh, rather than a shield to protect us. So we would start to see, uh, oh well, you owe, you you're responsible for her dead, and you're you know that kind of thing. And and sure enough, uh, we we did see that. I I I had couples very early on uh, in the marriage uh, uh, journey who were immediately uh, uh, losing their means-based benefits because their household income went up. And before they had any real benefit, they were of the marriage. They were losing benefits. So so definitely, I I was uh, cautious about getting married 
before there were actual benefits. But in 2013, when the Windsor decision came down and the federal ban against marriage, uh, the Defense of Marriage Act, when the core of the Defense of Marriage Act, DOMO, when that came down, you know, we, my partner and I had a, had a, a different outlook. And, and also in 2013, we each had a parent who was uh, in, in failing health and for whom seeing us married really conveyed a sense of safety and stability that was very meaningful to them. So, so neither of us felt that marriage was something that we particularly needed to evidence our commitment. Um, but we understood that it had a very different, different meaning for those particular parents, both of whom uh, have passed away since, uh, sadly. And um, so there, there, there were some, also some practical reasons, as you say. My wife had spent her whole life working for a major newspaper whose parent company was based in California. And so if I wanted to get her pension at death, that, that massive journalist pension, um, we, we'd, uh, we, we'd need to have been married. So she, she quit that newspaper to pursue a fiction career, but she kept her, uh, she kept that pension. So that was something I didn't want to walk away from. Um, but, uh, but actually also her quitting the newspaper, that, that was a piece of the marriage. Uh, that was a, that was a factor as well for us. You know, she, she, when she quit, uh, the newspaper, she, she always had this sense of unease and this sort of a guilt about leaving this full-time job to, to take this leap of faith into a new creative realm. And, and I wanted her to have the greatest sense of safety possible. Uh, and so marrying her seemed, after 11 years, like a, like a good way to convey loud and clear that, that, that I was invested uh, in, this, in this leap of faith and the fiction writing, and I was committed to it. So, so I talked to my accountant, and, uh, and uh, once I got her a blessing, we, we tied the knot in a teensy little ceremony in a Bennington, Vermont synagogue with uh, just a few family members there, and uh, it, was, it was perfect. Very good. And uh, um, in case you've just joined us, um, we're interviewing uh, author Elizabeth Schwartz, who is author of Before I Do, A Legal Guide to Marriage, Gay and Otherwise. Um, so a good book for anybody that's in a relationship to read, whether you're gay, mm-hmm. whatever your situation may be. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and then um, mm-hmm. going back to you and your partner, um, as feminists, um, both of you I have have at least some ambivalence about the whole concept of marriage, but yet you did get married. Um, I guess you probably answered this partially, but um, I guess why and why, mm-hmm. given your politics, um, do you refer to one another as wife and wife? <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a, the, the language thing. I write a lot about that in the book because it's definitely uh, something that we, we struggled with. And I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people have as well, especially women, right? I mean, wife certainly is, is quite a bit more loaded than husband. You know, wife seems to have these connotations of, uh, you know, iron my clothes and where's my dinner. But, uh, but, but yeah, for, for us, you know, marriage was, was not really something we were, uh, uh, we felt so strongly about, uh, about entering into, of course, feel strongly about us having the right to do it. But, uh, but look, I mean, marriage is historically an institution used to control women. So, so no, we, we weren't big fans. Uh, uh, but, but as I said, yeah, I mean, it's the means by which some 1,500 rights and responsibilities are conferred. So, 
So uh, much as we'd really like to see those rights decoupled from marriage so that more kinds of families are able to provide one another with important legal protections, um, you know, that, that revolution is not yet here. So we wanted to take advantage of some of those those rights and responsibilities. And, uh, and yeah, the, the language thing, it, <laughs> I have to come back to that, because, it, I mean, really it, it's interesting and evolving. And, and I, I use wife, I think, more than my wife does. She tends to use partner. But, uh, you know, as a lawyer, referring to someone as a partner has other connotations. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've mentioned my partner and, I, and someone has said, oh, I thought you were a sole practitioner. Oh, you were the law firm? You know, that's the connotation of partner. And, and so, so I, I do tend to use wife uh, a bit more. And, and, and I will say I enjoy making people scratch their heads when they see a woman talk about her wife. I mean, I, I hope to, to, to lift up the term wife to challenge those assumptions, including my own, about uh, what, what that term can mean. Yeah, interesting. And, and the whole um, – the term partner having multiple meanings, I, I guess, humorously entered my life once because uh, uh, a gentleman that was running for office, that was somebody we were actually running against, referred to somebody else as his partner when I was talking to him. And I, I, I had assumed that he was talking about um, a relationship partner, but he was actually talking about a law partner. So <laughs> the confusion oh, could go both right. ways. So. So right, I was right, that'd be right, my right. first thought like, oh, was I had no idea he was LGBT <laughs> and then I was later informed, Oh no he's not, he was referring to a business or a legal oh, partner. Oh my god, this like, is oh, okay, so. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so had he I said husband then it, it would have been unambiguous or <laughs> Right, right, but, right. Right, right. We're 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 definitely struggling with the with the language in, in our community. You know, it's it's certainly uh Certainly takes a little time to kind of rejigger our our uh, expectations of uh, what what all these words mean. <laughs> and um, in what ways, if any, do you see your marriage or that of other gay and lesbian couples as having the potential maybe to transform the institution of marriage itself for the better in in this country mm-hmm. or in general? Uh, now, yeah. Now, now we're getting into the uh, the sort of science uh, fiction part of the of the interview because this is where it gets all sort of sci-fi fantasy for me. I mean, like I, I really have this sort of dream. I have a dream. I have this dream really that, that, that we just do marriage a little, a little better, a little different. I mean, you know, gay couples tend to have less, less rigid roles about what a husband and and a wife can, can really be by definition. You know, many of us don't have children. So, you know, it's not a safe assumption to think that every long-term couple has one member who's exited the workforce for a while and to focus on raising the kids and therefore automatically you should get alimony on divorce. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's my, I, I, I sort of fantasize that, that our marriages help redefine um, marriages and, and help redefine these sort of more prescribed roles, right? I mean, yes, there are those of us who have children, perhaps, you know, we can upend traditional notions of what parenting looks like, parenting uh, generally looks like. So, for example, we're less likely to applaud a father for changing a diaper when we don't think twice about a mother doing so. Uh, less likely to wonder how a mom manages, uh, how, how we, we're less likely to wonder how a, a dad manages to balance work and family. Uh, uh, we, we, you know, we, 
we we marvel at how women balance work and family. We don't marvel at how men balance work and family because it's just assumed that that work takes precedence. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm hopeful that the division of labor in same-sex relationships are are based maybe on more innate interests, more more based on strengths and other unique circumstances. So, so that and and really, look, since we're getting the right to marry and what for many feels like a sudden and really surprising way. I mean, how great would it be if we were just really deliberate about our weddings? I mean, if we, we ask each other those hard questions. I have a bunch of them in Chapter 3, that my starting out chapter. I talk about kind of about 15 questions that are really, I think, important for, for any couple to ask each other before getting into a, into a serious relationship. So, I mean, if we think deeply about what kind of unions we want to have and whether all these heteronormative assumptions of marital law even fit our circumstances. I think we might find ourselves doing with the institution of marriage as we did so many of our neighborhoods and, and kind of gentrifying it a little bit. Yeah, I think, and I think it's reasonable to expect that um, that's not all fantasy. I think diversifying marriage or, or to the extent that sort of, traditional gender roles and patriarchy have all gone along the side with, with the institution of marriage. Um, when you have not all marriages being heteronormative marriage, marriages, it does seem like that, that maybe challenges, um, whether not always even directly, but indirectly just by the nature of being there challenges some of the patriarchal sort of, um, yeah. functions of the institution. I mean, you know, just uh, any time yeah. you, you know, expand it. So, so hopefully, I mean, I agree. I think it has a chance of transforming uh, the institution and with that, some of the norms that come with it, some of the more oppressive ones that maybe aren't all good things. Not that every heterosexual marriage necessarily complies with, with, patriarchal assumptions, but certainly to the extent that, that the two things have yes. been hand in hand, I, I don't think, um, I think having same-sex marriages be part of the institution does have the chance to sort of um, transform some of that, or at least to broaden sort of what our concept of marriage was and to undermine some of the um, more traditional um, oppressive elements of the institution. Well, good. I'm glad to know. I'm glad to know I'm not alone in in in, in that dream, <laughs> and that you you think that there's that there's a that there's a chance because I I I do I do hope I do hope so, and and sure. and I and I don't want to give up on the I don't want to give up on the on the broadening, just generally of of the of the rights that are associated with marriage and having having more rights accrue to more different kinds of of families. You know, I, I live in Miami where we have uh, lots of relations of, of family structures, you know, different generations of folks, you know, raising, uh, uh, you know, not necessarily their children or, or you know, living in multi-generational households. And, and so the thought that, you know, you can only cover uh, your spouse at work versus uh, being able to provide health insurance on your group plan to your niece with whom you live and she, you guys are financially and emotionally uh, interdependent. Uh, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that I think it's, 
it's not a it's not too much to ask to say that's a that's a family and they should have protections too. So we we limit so much to just to just well you've got to be married and that's it and that's the only you you've got to be married or be a you know a family in this certain way and I think that gets uh, I think it just it leaves a lot of people behind. I mean marriage uh, leaves certainly a lot of folks in the LGBT community behind, but but uh, you know the, the the emphasis on oh you've got to have two parents and that, that really leaves single mothers behind and, and, and that single parents behind, I should say. And, uh, and that's not good. So we, you know, I, I do hope that we can be, become more expansive in, in what a family is, what a family means, you know, really in, in, in a deeper sense and, 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 and in a sense that, that uh, brings important rights and responsibilities with it. Yeah, and I know um, one of the things that struck me is um, is how quickly things um, with the freedom to marry um, transpired. Like just ten or fifteen years ago, even being for civil unions was seen as a radical position. Mm-hmm. I think Howard Dean got death threats yeah. in the late 1990s yeah. for suggesting civil yeah. unions, not even complete marriage, and in the state of Vermont, right. which is probably <laughs> on sort of the left, right. social left, liberal end of the spectrum yes. in the United States. But but somehow, yes. uh, you know, the whole thing transformed, and before long we had, you know, um, not just states uh Legalizing it, but at some point, you know, the states that were included were places like Oklahoma and Utah, either um, through courts in their own states, or at least certainly when it became a national, um, when the Supreme mm-hmm. Court ruled. And um, so, mm-hmm. maybe tell us a little bit about the history of the freedom to marry, um, uh, how that transpired, and how did marriage, uh, for example, become sort of the catalyzing struggle for the LGBT mo- movement too? Because that's, I think, interesting in its own right. But, Oh my gosh, Keith. Well, we're going to be here all night talking about this. That's a long. <laughs> yeah, the cliff notes version. Long... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, right. I could go on and on. Um, I mean, this is this is a hard one to give a brief answer to because, as my my little history chapter points out, it, it was a forty-five year uh, long painstaking battle, which which I condensed to eight pages. So I'll try to condense it even further here. But, but. Uh, but basically, I mean, the, the marriage uh, equality fight was really, it was fought on a lot of different battlefields. You know, I worked uh, on the litigation uh, in Florida, the, the marriage equality litigation. And so so I, I can tend to overly focus sometimes on the uh, the courtroom battles, but uh but this, these were these were battles fought on the floors of legislatures and 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 in courtrooms. But but really, most importantly, in in private conversations with family and loved ones, who uh, where courageous LGBT people shared how important it is uh, to have our love for one another recognized under the law. Um, there there was an early uh, loss, a first really the first kind of marriage battle was a 1972 uh, loss at the U.S. Supreme Court. It was the Baker case um, in 1972. And that was the first time that a uh, marriage equality uh, uh, claim was made. And it went up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court threw it right on out. And, and, and the issue remained so, sort of dormant for, for a little while there until um, about 20 years later, you could 
fast forward to an effort in Hawaii where a few brave same-sex couples uh, challenged their state's discriminatory definition of marriage. And, and to the movement's great surprise, the Hawaii courts agreed. Uh, the downside uh, of that was that the uh, U.S. government was worried that that more states would follow suit uh, like Hawaii did. Uh, and and so the U.S. government felt compelled to pass this federal law defining marriage as only between a man and a woman known as DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act, although we, we often call it the Denial of Marriage Act, <laughs> DOMA. And, and so so that uh, was... That was enacted, uh, and 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 then states started following suit um, and, and and passing their own domas. So after a number of false starts and and really a movement that wasn't quite united behind the marriage equality battle or really ready to take on uh, this this particular civil rights issue. You know, we were still dealing with a uh, you know losing our so many beloved hundreds of thousands of members of our community to the AIDS pandemic. And, and, and so we were like marriage, please, you know, but, uh, so, but, but after a number of false starts, uh, you know, the, the, we began to convince courts and then legislatures that these marriage bans were unconstitutionally discriminatory. First, uh, First, those wins uh, rolled out in New England, thanks to the amazing lawyering of this great organization called GLAD, which is uh, GLBTQ Legal Advocates and Defenders, and Mary Bonato, our hero, and and um, she's also the one who argued the Obergefell case at the U.S. Supreme Court. So, so GLAD started that battle, uh, rolling out uh, litigation uh, in in New England and then across the country, and and people started realizing that that gay people wanting to marry wasn't compromising the institution of marriage, but really strengthening it by making it more inclusive of all loving and committed couples. And and so ultimately it was that 2013 Windsor decision uh, in which the U.S. Supreme Court declared that the federal DOMA law was unconstitutional, uh, which was an amazing victory. And, and, uh, and, but, you know, it still left, those remaining state bans intact. So folks like us uh, in, in the hinterlands were all excited for the Windsor decision, but then kind of sobered up and realized, oh my gosh, this, this doesn't really help me personally because uh, while, while I can get many of these federal rights, I can't get all the federal rights because I live in a non-recognition state and I certainly can't get any of the state rights. And a lot, a lot is governed by the state. Family law, state law, you know, all of that is state state governed stuff. So, so more lawsuits commenced, and along the way, more state bans were repealed until the the final nail in the coffin, which was the 2015 uh, Obergefell case you mentioned, where the U.S. Supreme Court uh, delivered what 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 we call the 50 state solution, you know, saying that that all state bans uh, against the freedom to marry are just as unconstitutional as that federal ban was. So, uh, so there you have it. Voila, nationwide marriage equality, and and that's I gave short shrift to a whole lot of amazing people whose whose amazing advocacy and and courage really got us to this point. But uh, but but you get the gist. It was, <laughs> it was a, yeah. a long a long road, and 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 then I will say that that as 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 sort of um, 
uh, 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 skeptical as I was about about sort of the importance of marriage and pursuing marriage as a as a as a fight for our movement, I I, I b- because I didn't want to leave other people behind because I know that that yes, marriage helps some but not all of us, and and it it's, it did seem like a kind of a narrow and traditional thing to be to be after. I, I also realize that so much of, of our uh, dignity as as individuals is is really wrapped up in in the fact that, that the government was just not allowing us to to have legitimate relationships under the law. And you start to see that there's a there's an effect. I mean there's an effect in not letting gay people get married, and and that effect has a has an has a dehumanizing effect. It robs us of our dignity, and and I think it it, it is a it is a a straight line between the the gay bashings that we see and and the unfortunate tragic murders of particularly trans people, particularly trans people of color, uh, and 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 there is a a straight line, I think, no pun intended, between us not allowing uh, our relationships to matter under the law and and extending that disregard to how we to how we treat more vulnerable members of our community. So I I guess I I say all that to say I I get it more now and I and I get the impact of a of of marriage bans. Uh, on on more than just married people, more than just couples. You know, I get the impact on individuals, and I think that's something that we all uh, can can connect with. Yeah, I, I think that's true too. I think in terms of sort of, I mean, I'm not sure. You know, I don't I don't want to overstay it. I don't want to state that we're in some kind of post homophobic America. I don't buy that for a moment. But I mean at we're some not, level yeah. Yeah, compared yeah. to the way it was mm-hmm. twenty or thirty years ago, I feel like in a way yeah. um legalizing same sex marriage has I think for some people sort of legitimized um same sex yeah. relationships in general yeah. or made them seem less sort of I don't know, exotic or, yeah. or deviant or whatever yeah. the term is people yeah. have. Yeah. I don't think that's yeah. true for the whole population, but I, I definitely Correct. think it's true for people that maybe don't feel um, strongly. Yeah. And for younger people in general, even even young people that identify as conservatives, they seem less, um, on average at least, less sort of homophobic than maybe generations of conservatives or even of people that consider themselves moderate or liberal. So to the, to the extent that um, same-sex marriage um, becoming legal was is a part of that normalizing process, and I know it's hard to separate which sort of which came first, but I mean it feels like there's, there's at least maybe some reduction in the stigma even against um, LGBT and transgender people who aren't in a in a marital union or whatever, and maybe maybe that's true. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell what's going to come forward in the next few years in terms of the social and political climate. But it feels like there's at least been some movement in that direction. Whether it's a straight think, line or yeah. there's going to be a backlash, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I, I think there, I think there, there definitely is uh, a progress for sure. 
and 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 there is backlash too, right? All these so-called bathroom bills, so ridiculous. Uh, you know, clearly this is sure. this is yeah. uh, uh, the, the powerful saying, okay, well we lost the marriage battle, so let's now attack this other marginalized community, this other vulnerable community, and. Uh, and 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 try to abridge their rights because people aren't going to stand up, you know, for them as much as they as maybe they have for this powerful gay and lesbian lobby, and uh, and that is uh, certainly a source of concern even within our own LGBT community that people don't see the transgender fight as uh, as their fight. They don't see the issue as as universal as oh well love is love is love. They don't. Somehow, trans people are are to use your word more exotic and uh, not not something uh, that that not an issue that everyone can connect with the way that they can connect with uh, with with love and 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 that 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 manifestation of dignity. So uh, I do hope that uh, as we as we push forward, certainly as, as the progressive community coheres. Uh, against what looks like it's going to be a real Trumpocalypse, uh, we hopefully we can uh, stand with uh, gender nonconforming people and and um, not allow the kind of bullying uh, that we've that we've been seeing. Sure, absolutely, and I know um, uh, even with uh, marriage equality um, sort of being the law. That, I mean, not sort of being the law of the land, uh, implementing mm-hmm. it in practical terms is still a work in progress in some states. Yeah. What are some of the cutting-edge issues in achieving true marriage equality that you see still needing to be resolved? Uh, yeah, well, well, I mentioned a little bit about that litigation that we had about the birth certificates, and that's that's sure. still yeah. uh, an issue. Yeah, and, and, and um, you know, family, as I say, family in a state law differs by state, so so uh, let's just say that not all judges and not all state officials are really embracing the the, the true concept of, of marriage equality. So we're seeing lots of litigation around parental rights and birth certificates. Uh, you know, Social Security is a major issue. My gosh, you know, one thing we talked about a little bit earlier in our time together here today is, is about how a lot of same-sex couples are married uh, for a short time but together for a long time, you know, since they, they just got the right to marry, so now they're getting married, and, and uh, maybe they haven't been together for the uh, the amount of time that they might need to get certain benefits. So, for example, I, I, if, if for Social Security purposes, you have to be married for nine months to collect benefits based on your marriage if the, the worker or number holder, as they say, died. So some couples have been together for decades and married less than nine months before one dies. So we've been trying to appeal those cases to Social Security for for greater fairness. So so um, there there are, there are still lots of these issues out there. Um, you know, one one thing I think that that we haven't really talked about so much because it's nicer to talk about marriage and happy things, but uh, but is divorce. You know, we 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 have uh, uh, while there's marriage equality. There's not necessarily divorce equality. And I mean, I'll give you an example. A couple uh, that I'm working with now that uh, was together for 23 years, married for three. So they break up and they are in a short-term marriage. 
And so uh, the one partner who uh, stopped working and was managing the home and they had an arrangement for all those years of you, 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 you know, the division of labor that, that most relationships have, they, they were very comfortably, clearly uh, uh, arranged so that one was the outside working person bringing in the income and the other one was handling all the household stuff. Well, if they were married for 23 years, that would be a long-term marriage. And most marriages, excuse me, most states divide up assets based on the length of the marriage and provide spousal support, alimony, based on the length of the marriage. So that's, that's something we're really struggling with is to try to help these long-term couples that are in a short-term marriage, help them approximate some some even semblance of fairness when they if, if they divorce, so that one doesn't walk out of the marriage with 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 uh, with all, everything and the other one walks away with nothing because because it's not a marriage that is uh, deserving of that treatment you know uh, of of a of a, a long term marriage. So that's a really thing that we're that we're very much struggling with as well. Yeah, absolutely, and a lot of certainly a lot, um, a lot to deal with there as to how courts or, or can determine fairness there when, when in, in a sense it's not really a short-term marriage because there was mm-hmm. you know a history behind yeah. that before they had an opportunity to marriage. So um, I can yeah. see where that yeah. can complicate things. And then um, I yeah. guess with the oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, go ahead. Oh, okay, sure. And uh, I guess um, we alluded to some of this earlier as well, but as you write, we are far from done. And while there are probably people out there who think oh, that marriage was the most important or perhaps even the final struggle, um, mm-hmm. obviously you disagree. Uh, tell us more about what lies ahead or what other things need to be done maybe outside that realm. Oh, gosh. <laughs> there's, there's a lot that needs to be done. In five minutes or less, yeah, yeah, I mean, good luck, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it, it certainly we, we talked about uh, uh, the, the importance of, of uh, protecting our transgender members of our community. You know, look, marriage was a critical victory for helping LGBT people achieve a true measure of dignity in our relationship, but, but, but it doesn't magically translated to full lived equality for our whole community. And we're really seeing the effects of, of people's uh, uh, bigotry as it manifests against the, uh, the trans community. Um, and, 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 you know, we just, gay and lesbian people, we, we still experience not just the same discrimination as before, but in some cases greater backlash uh, as people resist the progress that we've achieved. You know, marriage equality is not like a, a light which suddenly fixes all homophobia and transphobia and, and ageism and racism and classism, you know. So, so there, there is a lot to do uh, uh, still. And, and one, I think, kind of critical uh, population that you can see is really impacted by the ongoing homophobia is, is LGBT youth. The, depending on the the, uh, the the place, I mean, in Dade County here where I live, some 40% of all 
people, LGBT, excuse me, some 40% of all youth on the street are lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. Other parts of the country, it's 25%, it's 30%. But that's a tremendous number. I mean, to think that of all youth on the street, that a third is gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender, (coughs) excuse me, what that means is that those kids are getting thrown out of their house. That means that their parents are throwing them out of the house. That means that marriage is awesome, but it doesn't change people's homophobia. It doesn't change how threatened they are by anything that's different. So that's why I say we need to, to translate these wins into really full-lived equality. I, I'm, I'm, excuse me, <coughs> sorry, I'm on the board of uh, a national organization called SAGE, Services and Advocacy for GLBT Elders. And um, the co-chair of the national board is a 40-year-old New York-based organization. And, um, you know, we see every day these, these senior citizens who really got us to where we are today. I mean, the very people who got us to the point where we could even have this conversation about whether you should marry or not, you know, have the, the privilege of even considering and weighing it out. You know, these folks are now going into nursing homes and being told that, that really, you know, we, we're happy to have you, but you should just like not be out of the closet, you know, and, and, and they're, they're being told, oh, you can't be with your same-sex partner in the nursing home because it's you know, a faith-based institution and we just, we, we can't allow that. So, you know, I think, I think the key right now is just now that, now that folks are able to marry, to, to start looking at the other ways in which we can make sure that all of the members of our community, especially the ones that are the most vulnerable, that, that, that everyone has all of the protections uh, so that they can enjoy where they live, where they work. I mean, we, don't, we do not have comprehensive employment protections. Um, we, we, we have some, but, but not even close to what we need at a federal level and, and in all 50 states. So uh, that's certainly critically important, you know, for somebody to be able to be fired because they're gay or because uh, uh, you don't, they have a picture of their partner on their desk or whatever. I mean, that's just, it's, uh, it seems barbaric in a, in a, in a country that has, that has full marriage equality. It's amazing to think that we don't, we do not have a comprehensive employment protection. So, uh, so there's, there's a lot to do to bring full lived equality to the whole country. That's for sure. We've got our work cut out. Yeah, for absolutely. <laughs> sure. Much more to do. Um, we've come a long ways, but obviously there's always more to be done. And, and I'll, once again, I want to thank you. We're, we're about out of time, but I want to thank you so much for sharing with us on this uh, Friday evening and um, uh, we'll put up a link on our liberal fix page so people can order it and um, and uh, thank you again uh, for your time and I uh, hope you have a wonderful uh, Thanks, rest Keith. of the weekend. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, Keith. You too. Be safe out there in the snow. <laughs> Will do. Thank you very much. Have a good night.